So, in a moment, we're going to hear some amazing stories of people who have just given their lives to Jesus. But before we do that, and um, just so you know, now is not the long, now is not the right time for a long sort of like spiel and a long sermon because. We're here, you may have been here to come and support uh, Robin and Tessie and the family, or you may be here because you see some people are getting baptised, you're thinking, what on earth is going to go on? And there's a big pool down there with lots of warm water and it's going to be great fun. We really hope we're not going to get trouble with the school, but we think it's going to be a great, great time where we baptise some people. And it's, um, we're going to baptise these people who they have decided to no longer be the captain of their lives. That's the whole point that they have decided that they are not the master of their own destinies any longer, but they've given their lives to Jesus. And they've decided that they are going to follow him because they know that God loves them, that God knows them, and God has a plan for their life. So we're just going to celebrate that uh, with them together. But it is vital that when we gather, gather together as church, there has to be some moment where we just open up the Bible and say, look, this is what the truth is. It's really important as a church, that we submit ourselves to what the Bible says so that we can live more connected, more peaceful, and more fruitful lives. So I'm just going to read uh, a few verses from Ephesians. If you've got a Bible, you can look it up if you want to. Uh, It's Ephesians chapter 4, and it's verses 1 to 5. And this is uh, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to this church in, in Ephesus, and he says this. Therefore, I, a prisoner... For serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called into one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Um, Does anybody know anybody who went to prison for their conscience? Personally. there There are quite a few people that have been to prison for their conscience, for what they believe. And I think that not everybody, just as a little introduction, not everybody who goes to prison for what they believe is a good person nor is the cause that they go to prison for necessarily true and right. But when somebody is a prisoner of conscience, it's worth at least listening to them and seeing what they have to say, I think. They might be barking mad and they might be wrong, but it's worth at least bearing them out. This is what Paul is saying here, that he said, I'm writing this letter to this church in Ephesus, and he's saying, I'm in prison because I'm writing this stuff. At least hear me out a little bit of what I'm going to say. And there's a few things, and we're going to be very brief just to say... A few things that Paul says, and the first thing he says is, I really want you Christians to live in a certain way. I really want you to be kind and gentle and humble and patient with each other. And that's not just trying to make life go easier and a little bit nicer, but that's because he's saying, God has been kind, patient, gentle and humble towards you. So actually, we're supposed to like, react to one another it, to reflect the character of God and how he has been towards us. It says, please live at peace with one another. Why? Because we have the opportunity of living at peace with God. It's quite an an extraordinary moment. I don't know all the stories of, there were going to be four people, but one, I think somebody just recently said, I want to be baptised as well. And that's fantastic. So now the five stories, I need to be even quicker now. So the five stories that we're going to hear, I don't know their stories. I don't know their background. I don't exactly know what they're going to say. But I suspect they've got stories of grace in there. That God was kind to them when they didn't expect it and they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't deserve God to be kind to them, but God was nonetheless kind to them. 
And it's basically this story, we find ourselves in this place that God has been kind to us when we least expected it. It's the story of grace. And so Paul just, he simply invites the church, reflect the character of God. The way you live amongst each other, be kind and gracious and kind and humble and patient because God has done the same thing to you. The second thing that Paul says is this. He makes this quite um, extraordinary, challenging statement. And he says, if you want to be right with God, there's only one way you can do it. And then there's this great big long list. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one one Holy Spirit. He goes on, there's only one. There's one, 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 one. All the time he's just saying one. And in today's world, with a lot of sort of like commitment to individual autonomy and finding your own truth, that's quite a challenging statement, to be fair. It doesn't come across particularly well when you say, oh, there's only one way that you can do it. And many people say, well, there's many different ways that you can find God. And I always want to ask the question, well, how do you know that? You can come back and you can challenge some of these questions. And the interesting thing is people say, well, there's lots of different religions. But, you know, not all religions actually are trying to find their way to God. Do you know that? Hinduism and Buddhism, they're not trying to find their way to God. They're trying to find God within themselves. That's That's the difference. They're not trying to find their way to God. You might have heard the, um, the uh, I, don't know, I don't know where it came from, but it, it sounds like it came from somewhere where there are elephants in the mix, okay? But this story of um, explaining all these different religions about a whole load of blind people sort of like touching an elephant. Have you ever heard this story? Uh, it's a bizarre story, but anyway. But I don't really want to go around sort of like touching an elephant all over, thank you. It doesn't sound good. But you come, somebody comes across this, like the trunk, and you think, oh, it's, look, it's definitely a snake, you know. Uh, or you come across the ears, and you think, oh, it's this big fan flapping around. It's definitely just a fan. Or, or you come against the side of the elephant, and it's a, it's a wall, and all these people are arguing, no, it's definitely this. It's, it's, nothing, it's nothing bigger than that. It's definitely this. And you're arguing all these things, and, and yet, and they're all wrong because it's all just one elephant. And people are saying that that's like religions. You're all holding on to a different part of religion. But the whole analogy falls down because what the analogy is saying, there is no one truth. The truth is that actually it's an elephant. And you have to see that to understand it. And so there is something about there is and a truth. And I don't know, I feel the point of this is that I'm sometimes accused of being bigoted because if I say there's only one way to the truth. I have lots of friends that think I'm barking mad because I'm a Christian. Some people are quite fascinated. Some people just think I'm a bit doolally because of it all. Why are you doing that? And they think you're so bigoted to think that there's only one truth. You, that's not true. And you, but you have to turn it around and say, well, they're just doing the same thing. They're saying they know the truth and I don't. And I'm saying I know the truth and they don't. So what we have to do is you have to say, okay, what is the truth of the gospel? How can we work out? How can we make this evaluation of what the gospel is saying? I am not disappointed. I am not angry that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I'm not angry that he says that. I'm actually quite grateful that he says that. And he allows me to come into his life. He allows me to say, to come close to God through Jesus. It's an exclusive claim that doesn't sit well. But as Christians, we believe that that is the truth. We believe that life makes sense in Christ, when actually sometimes it's quite confusing. Life is quite confusing, whatever, but actually when we have Jesus, he gives us a sense of purpose and meaning and understanding. The third thing um, that Paul says, he says there's one baptism. I just want to let you know that baptism 
the pool down there, I mean, I don't know, it probably looks a bit like a mixture between a paddling pool and a birthing pool. I don't oh. know. Okay, something like that. But down there, but baptism is not an initiation rite into something weird. It, it's not like some, I don't know, some rite of passage. We had, uh, Jill and I had uh, dinner with friends the other day. They're not, they are not Christians at all. They have no faith whatsoever. But they're good friends of ours. And then they were really telling us about how their daughter went and did her first communion in some Catholic church. And then I really wanted to say, why did you do that? You don't believe in anything. You're, you're mad. He's the one that calls me medieval for being a Christian. Why are you doing that? He doesn't believe it at all. And it's all, it's on the outside. But I just need to let you know, baptism is not an outside thing. It's something deep down within us that we have decided that we've understood the claims of Jesus and we're going to give our lives to him. He now is the captain of our ship. We surrender all to him. And the most bizarre thing is that when we give our life away, that's when we find a life that comes into us through the truth of Jesus. I'm going to pray. Was that the shortest sermon ever? Yeah. Come on. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand it back to Andy, and we're going to have some of these stories. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that there is one baptism when we, as it were, go down into a watery grave and die to our own lives, but we come back to new life in you. And we thank you that we can do that, Jesus, because you died on the cross, you were punished in our place, you went to the grave, and you came back to life. And you came back to life to show that you had defeated death and thank you, Lord, that when these people come out of the water, it's just a symbol, it's a public time, and they are saying, now I have the life of Christ within me. And we pray for these people. We pray for them now as they come and share something of their lives. We ask that you would come and speak to us through them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.